Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hi, everybody. I'm Joel Salatin, Polyface Farm. Real excited about the Thriving Farmers Summit. And I invite you to enjoy all 37 speakers, the entire summit. This is a great lineup, and I'm privileged and honored to be a part of it and congratulate Michael and partners in putting this forward. And I know it's going to be a real benefit to lots and lots of folks. So enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And this episode has been over a year in the making because we actually almost a year, we decided our next summit back in January. And we've been working for the last 11 months to pull that together. And I'm super excited about this summit because I think this is the biggest opportunity for farmers to work less and make more. And again, this will be a solo cast by me. I'll just be talking about um, some opportunities, some threats, some challenges, and why I believe it is. And I'm going to introduce you to some of the speakers that we're going to have in this summit that will be airing December 1st through 4th. But first, a little bit about me. Again, I'm the host of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Um, We have an online education company called Growing Farmers. But what I spend most of my time doing is at the farm on Central. So that is the eight acre urban farm. My wife and I and our amazing staff run in Southwest Ohio. We have an on-farm retail store, which is actually a bus. We do a CSA. We produce value added products. We sell wholesale and um, we've done all sorts of other exciting things like mushroom production and such as well on the farm. So why value added? You know, I think people, I, you say that's the biggest opportunity. And again, one of our speakers in the summit will be Joel. You just heard him a few minutes ago. But Joel said in his interview with me for the summit is that the pandemic showed us the fastest production method of food, which is basically the industrial food production system isn't working and that there was many bare shelves. And the recent lawsuits that Monsanto and Bayer have come into thing, and we know now that Bayer with their chemicals is causing the destruction of bee habitat, and people are dying from Roundup, so that people are now trusting big food less and less. And this is a flip from 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we were always told to get bigger, get out. And now the government's coming back and saying, well, maybe regional food is actually not a bad idea. And 20 years ago, we were out there saying Monsanto is bad and Roundup can kill you. And everyone was laughing it off that you can drink this stuff and be safe. But that's changed. And then now, particularly, we are seeing less and less trust in big food, big pharma, and big government. And so right now, I think is an amazing time, and this is what Joel and I discussed, for small family farms to take what's theirs and serve their community. Now, this is true. But we also have the aspect to think about is people aren't going to change their buying habits. You know, they're not going to just now go buy a quarter of a cow. They still want to be able to pick up a burger. They still want to buy a jar of pickles. They're not going to make that jar of pickles. You know, I think another misconception we had 20 years ago is we thought that there was going to be this massive movement back toward the land and that everyone was going to start doing what their grandmother did and, and making their own meal plan. But that is not the case. I mean, you've got the aging baby boomers who want to even be less in the kitchen. 
you have the millennials and Gen Xers who just want to be able to pick something up. What is true is they are buying into personal connection and authenticity and the power of story. So they want to shop with people they believe in. I think it's saying that 60% of people will make buying decisions based on social stands. So obviously, you know, if your stand is that regenerative and organic is good, that will be something that people will latch on to. So we have this aspect where people want to make the changes. They don't trust the competition, but they're not willing to change their habits necessarily. So this is where it comes into farmers need to start thinking value added. Now, a huge thing is what is value added? Because the, the general consensus for most people is, oh, well, you just want me to grow cucumbers, make pickles and make jam. No, 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 no. Value added is so much more than that. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit more. So let's talk about kind of production overall. You know, Alan Nation said there's four parts to this. There's the production, which most farmers focus on. There's the processing, turning it into, let's say, uh, a value added product. There's distribution and there's marketing. Now, where's the risk in all of that? And those four pieces right there, where's most of the risk? Most of the risk is in that production. And unfortunately, that's what most of the farmers focus on. Um, now, what are those inherent problems with producing raw product? First is that um, repetitive hard work on the body. So if you're out farming all day and you're just growing the product, you're out there growing it. You're not you know, in an office, out there talking to clients, getting those things which are A, well-paid tasks, but also are not going to be the hard production that's going to wear out your joints. Second, there's a low return on investment. So the average farmer is going to get 16% of the retail dollar. And third is that in order to attract enough customers, typically the farmer has to produce either a commodity and be massively scaled at that, or a very small farm do a wide variety of products that are challenged to produce, but you need that variety to attract the customers. So it's kind of catch 22 there. So there's a couple of ways around that, but I think that's the first thing we got to think about is just the problems with producing raw product is that there are some inherent challenges. Now, let's look at these other three. You got the processing, the distribution, and the marketing. Now, did you know that the largest strawberry company in the world, Driscoll, I mean, if you basically say the name Driscoll, you associate it with strawberries, doesn't grow any strawberries. They are just a marketer and an aggregator for the, the, the farmers. And we discussed this last week on the podcast where we discussed the California industrial strawberry system. But I think that's a point. If you look at where farms are now and what is making money, and again, I'm not discouraging folks. I'm not saying farming is completely broken. Well, this comes back to what is that biggest opportunity for farmers to work less and make more? We need to start having a mindset shift about what a farm is and what a farm should be doing if they want to be successful against what the marketplace is asking for. So, but let's now dive into what is value added because you're saying, okay, Michael, that's all well and good. If I want to make money, I've got to do this, but what do you want me to do? Because again, I just told you that it's not necessarily going to be making jams and jellies. So the USDA definition of value added is basically anything that's going to add income or get greater value and then profit from the same or a similar product. So it can be as simple as taking four different raw vegetables and putting them in a stuffing kit or a stir fry kit. I mean, this is Thanksgiving, so a stuffing kit would actually be relevant. 
you know, Joel talks in his session about they tripled their beef sales when they stopped giving customers a cut sheet to call into the butcher and instead said, you got four packages you can choose from, you know, from slow cooker to grill master. Those are the four packages. And then those are just uh, specific cut sheets that the butcher got. It made the customer happier. It made the butcher happier and it tripled their sales. So these are the these are the simple simple things that are value added. It's as simple as just making a marketing shift. Um, to again, we can go way further with this. It can be renting out the corner of your pasture for a self-contained RV. Uh, my friend Curtis is in the summit. He'll talk about his on-farm pizza nights and how they use all their vegetable surplus and sell it to people through pizza. And it creates this incredible community event and gives a massive marketing buzz. And they have people coming from as far away as several states to experience their pizza night. Um, it can be as simple as foraging for wild products and then preserving them. So taking chickweed and turning to a chickweed salve. I mean, chickweed's a weed for most farmers, and we are literally weeding it out and tossing it where we could be drying it, dropping it in oil, adding some beeswax, and helping nourish our customers' hands. Uh, but then it can swing to the far other side of the pendulum from the simple to the very complicated, where we have one farmer uh, there in Missouri. They went for completely from a regular CSA farm to now they are a fermentation farm. And all they do is grow products that they then ferment and sell at farmer's markets as basically like kimchi and sauerkraut and hot sauces and things like that. So there is that massive range. Now, let's give a few examples of what we've done on our farm for value added. First, I mean, one of the simple, simple things we did was take all our carrot seconds and turn it into a, a juice carrot pack. I mean, that is simply just slapping a different label on it. And we never have any seconds on carrots that we toss away. Um, I mean, we don't. They're put in that pack and they fly out of our store and uh, people love them. Um, we've also done a root medley. So this time of year, again, it's fall, starting to get winter, people are looking for that thing. Um, it's interesting because... If you're selling raw vegetables, you're only going to a very small percentage of the marketplace. But if you can give people that idea behind the recipe, like the root medley, and give them – so what we did is two carrots, a potato, a sweet potato, a thing of rosemary, um, and then um, whatever other – maybe a kohlrabi, maybe a radish or two. Instead, chop them up. Sprinkle the rosemary over them. Put some olive oil and salt and pepper and bake it, You know, whatever it is, 425. That brought in a whole new, just basically marketplace and demographic. So our neighbors who don't shop with us because we're too expensive because we're in an organic farm, they are buying that because to them, it's no longer raw vegetables that they can get for 79 cents at the grocery store. It's a root medley pack, which no one else sells. So, I mean, those are the types of things too, is not only it gives you another product to sell, but it brings in a totally new demographic, people that are willing to shop with you, and it helps people buy more because they now have an idea of what they can do with it. Um, we've done dried herbs. Those are super simple. We have a couple now commercial dehydrators we use. We have stir fry, fry packs. You put a little ginger in it, put a little uh, roots in there, and people love that. We are now doing farm tours, paid farm tours. That is actually massive money, especially if you can build a really good farm tour system. We've actually got some folks talking about farm tours and on-farm events in the summit as well. Uh, we've resold plants with a class. So yes, you can sell like a blueberry plant, but if you sell that blueberry plant with a class, you now have a, created a great upsell. And 
you got add-on sales too. So people need blueberry fertilizer, they need peat moss, they need ground cloth. There's a whole bunch of other things that you can now sell at a markup to make your money, your farm profitable. We've done a salsa class. So this is literally inviting people into our kitchen, showing them three different ways to make salsa and charging them the 25 bucks. Um, we have done a sunflower field and that was, you know, selling a cover crop of sunflowers that we were going to grow anyway. And just saying, Hey, this is the cost to come visit that. And we paid very easily within a few days for the cost of the cover crop and the maintenance of that. Um, you pick strawberries. And again, why is that a value add? Because we were going to pick those strawberries. We were going to sell them, but people are paying the exact same amount of money to come pick them. So we're saving all of that labor. So that is a value add. Fire cider. So that's one of our signature crops here now on the farm. We can't keep it in stock. It's absolutely super healthy for folks. Um, and we are creating that completely with on-farm ingredients. And we're basically buying our product from ourselves at retail prices, putting it into this, uh, basically it's a flavored vinegar is what you actually would call it if you're going to put it on a, a, a basically a, a list, um, but turning it into this, uh, you know, incredible healthful uh, tonic, as it were. Um, we've done pickles, we've done you pick flowers, we've done herb salts, we've just dried things, gone from dried hibiscus to dried mushrooms. One of the biggest things we did this year, and this was a, a suggestion from our cider producer, was to get a cider slushy machine. And so we actually have this in our on-farm store, but what it does is it takes a $8 gallon of cider and turn it into $36 of cider slushy. And we paid for a $2,000 slushy machine this year just from that. Again, self-service. Uh, we were charging $250 for a small, $4 for a large cup, and we probably could have charged more very easily. Um, and then, you know, some of the more complicated things we've done is, you know, black garlic, yogurt, those sort of things. Now, three quarters of what I just said there was things that you do not need a certified kitchen or any sort of expensive infrastructure for. So I think a lot of people question, they're like, Michael, but I've got to have this kitchen or I've got to do this or the regulation is going to kill me. Yeah, that's out there, but there's a lot of things you can still do that don't require that at all. So I think we are at a crossroads you know, in our industry. You will continue to sell to the few, less than 10%. Of people who are getting enough vegetables in their life, um, anything less than that 10% are going to come to a farmer's market. So I actually think, you know, I couldn't find the data, but I actually think we're selling to the 1% of people that are actually interested in shopping healthy food and buying consistent farm from farms. I know that it's way less than 1% of people in the US that are getting CSA shares. So I definitely know it's not, it's approaching a huge number. But we can also choose to look at the infinite possibilities of expanding our offerings to things that customers always will already want and are already paying for, but we're not offering them. Um, the market is changing and we really need to think about adapting. So kind of let's talk about this opportunity because we've kind of classified this. We've done, again, research over the last 11 months. We've interviewed 37 different speakers on everything from you know on-farm events to RVers, to pizza trucks, to pickle producers, um, to classes, to drying flowers and turning them into its own five different ways to sunflower fields. And there are three main areas that we find 
that the value added kind of splits up into. So the first one, and obviously the most common, is going to be your further processing of raw crops. So again, Thomas is going to share how he turns cabbages, carrots, hot peppers, and more into ferments, and uh, exactly the, the the year cycle of how that works, and the expenses, and the kind of government regulation for that, and how he dealt with that. Um, Trisha is going to talk how she turns the elder plant into syrups, bombs, and salves, and you know supports herself very well by that. You know, Don's going to talk about the flavored honeys that became nationally recognized and landed her into the New York Times, and also how she now does soda syrups and other health and wellness products through her Ohio-based store. Now, the second thing is the agritourism and farm experiences. And this, I think, is a massive opportunity. So a few examples of that would be the on-farm pizza nights and farm tours with Curtis, uh, welcoming RVers to your farm, the on-farm workshops that they're important forgotten skills of herbalism, self-sufficiency, and flowers, you know, all sorts of things with on-farm workshops. You can have workshops on anything. And here's the thing. You don't necessarily need to be the subject matter expert on that. You can facilitate that with your farm and bring in outside speakers to teach about bees or herbs or do on-farm yoga and stuff like that. You can also do Airbnbs on the farm. So that's something that, again, our friend Curtis does. They were able to buy a tiny house, add it there, and it adds a couple, um, you know, five figures to their bottom line every single year. Now, the third opportunity, the big opportunity I feel like in value adding, again, if you think there's others, feel free to email us. We're always looking to add to this and share more information with you all. Um, but it's farmstead recipes that complement. So maybe you sell salad, but now you're maybe going to do a farm dressing that helps sell more salad or a farm produced soap that's going to use your essential oils or just, you know, helps keep your crew busy during the wintertime. Um, you know, there's folks out there doing grab and grow feet freezer meals with farm tomato sauce. So again, a lot of other farmstead compliments that are continuing to bring people out to your farm. Now, they're obviously, and we've kind of mentioned on this, hit on this a little bit earlier, is the biggest challenges in this space. So there are inherent challenges, and I want to talk about them. So first, obviously, is regulation. You know, a lot of people have been asking us like, okay, Michael, I get this, but what about the regulation here in Canada or Australia? or Florida. You know, can you tell me exactly what they're going to require? And unfortunately, we can't tell you exactly, but here's what we can tell you. And we have speakers that are addressing this specifically and sharing innovative ways that they've, um, you know, complied or circumvented or dealt with this. As Trisha's going to talk about four different value-added kitchen opportunities. So, you know, maybe you want to build your own. That's obviously out there. But you can also rent a kitchen or share a kitchen with somebody else, or there's a bunch of opportunities there. Curtis is going to talk about how they do their pizza night through a pizza basically club or a membership. And that gets them around all the health department regulation. Um, Thomas is going to talk about, you know, kind of what they are looking for when you go ahead and decide you want to go, you know, commercial and all the different uh, regulations there. And then we've also got uh, Marcus. Marcus is actually a lawyer who went into value-added products. And he's going to walk us through the different things you need to think about depending on how you want to sell your products. Because if you want to sell a local farmer's market, it can be way easier than if you want to sell nationwide online. So again, big difference there. He'll talk you through that and uh, kind of share kind of what you need to do there. So again, there is regulation. 
but a lot of what you can, can do doesn't need it. And if you do need to do some of those things or want to do some of those things, we've got you covered with helping you address how to get through that process. Because yes, it can be challenging. The second thing is, Michael, I want to do this, but all this requires you know, capital. I'm going to have to buy slicers. I'm going to have to buy this. Well, yeah, there's some of that, but there's also things that are absolutely free, like the sunflower field for us. Again, we had the plant a cover crop. We threw a couple pounds of sunflower seed into that and then just charged people to cut the sunflowers out of the field. I um, mean, we have a couple from New Jersey that are going to share exactly how they do five figures every year with their sunflower field. And then there's the simple ones of drying, preserving. And here's the thing with those, you can frequently use waste product. So for us, um, for our fire cider production, we use a lot of our hot peppers that have gone bad, or you know, maybe the tip is bad, or maybe it's not the right color. So again, cut that part off, slice it in half, throw it in the dehydrator, take that dried product, add that to our product as well. So again, with the value add, you don't have to have perfect product. So Ray Tyler is going to share how his farm is now venturing into value added and they're doing veggie trays. They're taking like any of their second son carrots and their second son cucumbers or peppers, cutting them up, putting them in a veggie tray, charging 20 bucks and they're flying out the door. So again, lots of opportunity and it can actually save you money, not cost you money. Now, a third thing I hear people say is, Michael, this is all great, but how am I going to find these customers? I have customers for raw vegetables or I have customers for my meat products, but what about these other products? So great question. So here's the thing. It's way easier to sell something new to an existing customer than to go find a new customer. So a lot of your customers already are probably interested in you offering these additional products. You just haven't offered them yet. So, you know, that's something I would say that's a huge opportunity is just taking your existing customers and selling them new things. And um, day three of the summit is all about marketing and growing your business. So again, we have uh, marketing experts, product photo experts, email marketing experts, people who are ta talking about developing your value proposition and your SWOT analysis. So again, we've got that covered. We will tell you how to get more customers and sell more to those existing customers. So I'm going to wrap this up, keep this short here. I'm going to first, what I'm going to say though, is join us. It's free. Again, this is what our company exists for is to share this kind of information with you um, for as cheap as possible. And again, to attend the three-day summit, it's absolutely 100% free. If you want to have a lifetime access to the talks, you can grab the all access pass. But again, for the first to the fourth, you can listen to them all for free. Now, what are we covering? Because you're going to be like, okay, so you've talked about a few things, Michael. You say 37 different speakers. So what are you talking about? So obviously we've got Joel. He's a keynote on day one. And Joel is sharing kind of what things his farm is doing, how they've added some new five-figure revenue sources and value adding in just the last year or two, especially because of the pandemic and what that's done to their farm. We're going to talk to you know Ray how he's doing his value add in his farm. And again, he's doing over a half million dollars on one acre. And so with that, a lot of that now is starting to become value added. He'll share through the different products he does, how he packages them, how he labels them, and what the regulation is in Tennessee that allows him to do that. Um, we've got pickle producers that use that business to fund their move from the fire-ravaged uh, West Coast, and they're now located in Virginia. We've got on-farm experiences. So if you're going to do tours, you're going to do um, 
classes. You know, the best way to do that, if that's for you, we are going to talk to you about um, marketing. So it's setting up at a farmer's market, the best way to set up your display to get customers in, to talk about greetings. Um, we are going to talk about grants. So there is a tremendous amount of free or matching grants out there to help farmers get started with this. And I think that's the most exciting thing is the USDA does see the potential for farmers in this. And so they are willing to fund that because they think there is opportunity for farmers to make more money there. So again, there's a lot of grants out there. We'll talk to someone about the best practices for that and how to get some of that money to help you fund that. And then we're going to talk to folks that are doing drying, fermenting, foraging, aquaponics, and aeroponics. So a lot of opportunities for you to kind of get um, way more education around this. Now, here's the other thing is there's going to be times that you're going to watch a session and be like, well, that's not for me. But what my my goal with this is that it's just going to help you expand your horizon because the more time you can think about your farm and be like, oh, well, this guy did that. Well, maybe I could do this with my product. Um, again, maybe you're a garlic producer and you're selling seed garlic, but now you have seconds on garlic. So you're going to make uh, dried garlic and garlic powder and garlic scape powder and fermented honey garlic and um, garlic paste. There's so many things you can do. And my goal with this is that this gives you that. And then also you're going to have a tour every year and you're going to teach local people how to grow their own garlic in their backyard gardens. So again, there's so many opportunities here for you to just take up these different speakers and how they're doing different things and then take what they're doing and craft that and help your business. And again, maybe you love growing your crops and don't want to make too much change, but you want to add one or two things, dip your toes in the water. Um, so that is kind of, I think, a massive opportunity here for you. Second opportunity, I think, for you here is to ask your customers what they want. So, you know, Joel said during his presentation, he talked about when they started cutting up chickens. Again, they used to sell just whole chickens. The year they went to cutting up chickens, they added $20,000 more sales to their farm and didn't grow another chicken. It was $20,000 literally just in the increased value going from the whole chicken to the cut up chicken. You know, one thing I hear from folks is like, and, and this is another thing that I Joel and I chatted about because I think it's so important for us farmers to think about is us farmers are hard workers. We have been instilled that we are here to feed America or feed the world. And so with that feeding of the world, we feel like, you know, Michael, it doesn't, or it doesn't really cost that much to grow a carrot. We should not um, charge too much for that. We should try to keep things economical. But what I want to point out to you is that value is subjective. And the fact that Tiffany's in New York City can charge $1,500 for a gold-plated paperclip means that we, as farmers who are producing way more important things for our things, nutrient-dense foods and preserves and all sorts of experiences that are bringing families together and educating them, should make sure that we charge our rightful, um, basically, value. Um, instead of the cost. Um, because, you know, maybe say, well, you know, it only really costs me. It don't, doesn't cost me anything to have an on-farm wedding. 
But the value for that bride and for that that wedding experience is that they have a beautiful place and a beautiful memories that they're going to remember the rest of their lives. So I think it's time for us as farmers to charge our rightful value, to realize we provide an incredibly um, important service. And again, the goal is that we charge enough that if we do want to be outrageously generous with some of our products to help those who are less fortunate among us, that we have a significant stream, that we are doing well enough financially that we can do that. Um, Because if you look at the amount of money that's being thrown around out there in this world, it's vast. And farmers should be charging way and should be paid way more for what they do because they are one of, they are the most important people on this earth. And I say that not lightly because a lot of people say, well, you know, doctors are great. Well, yeah, doctors are great, but if you didn't have food and didn't have good food, you wouldn't actually be able to see a doctor because you wouldn't be alive. And if you actually were eating good food, organic food, or, you know, again, better food than some of the food out there, the highly processed food, you would be seeing the doctor way less. It'd be more healthcare instead of sickness care. So um, that's why I think it's so important for us farmers to attend things like this, to listen to these different speakers, share their experiences, how they are funding their lifestyles, funding their families, giving themselves that margin in their lives so they enjoy their farm life and it's not that much of a burden anymore as much as it can be. So I hope you will come and attend the summit. Um, We've got, again, spent the last 11 months pulling this together for you. There's so many little tidbits in there and it's 100% free. So if you go to farmsummits.com, all the details are there. You can click on that, sign right up. Um, and you know, one thing I would say to my members, remember, he who makes the sale controls the customer. So if you're selling your product to someone else who's doing further processing, and one day they decide that they're going to you know, change providers or change sources or something, you've lost that customer. And so it's time that we as farmers make sure that we're selling directly to the end consumer the products that they want to and are looking to buy from us and that are going to allow us to make the margins we need in our farm to be truly sustainable. So head on over to farmsummits.com. I hope you'll join me for this amazing summit series and gain insight into what you can do in your farm in 2023 to thrive. Hey, Thriving Farmers, here's a quick heads up to save the date, December 1st through 4th, for our Thriving Farmer Summit, Value Added. If you're looking to add income to your farm with simple, proven strategies, go to www.farmsummits.com and drop your email. Our summit series have been viewed by over 100,000 farmers and get rave five-star reviews. In this summit, we'll share detailed strategies for farm ferments, herbal foraging, tinctures, pickles, farm kitchens, foodscaping, mushroom jerky, and mushroom kits, developing add-on shares for your CSA, how to publish books with your farm story, starting your own USDA processing plant, and starting a farmer co-op. Over 35 speakers are sharing their wisdom. Go to farmsummits.com to reserve your spot today. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.